Beginning the track, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. The way I've been feeling about the pilots, and even our first episodes that we talk about, isn't the way I end up feeling about the entire series. It was a little shocking when you gave me your rating. I didn't expect it to be a five out of five, but it was a little shocking. Uh, And my immediate thought was, oh, God, she hates Deep Space Nine. And I had to remember you're rating one episode. And for, for a lot of people, it wasn't a particularly great first showing for them. The conversation is very different than the rating. As as per usual, I'm but I'm rating one out of one. We should hi everybody. <laughs> oh hi, I guess we're here. Um, welcome to beginning the trek. Uh, this is Andy Goldberg, Trek veteran, and Jessica Ray, Trek newbie. Although we are on, this is the start of our third series. So while we do recommend you go back and start at the beginning, because that's always a great place to start. For, for, oh, I forgot the animated series. Everybody forgets the Everybody animated forgets series. Everybody forgets the animated series. Yeah, yeah. So four. <laughs> uh, if this is your first uh, your first experience with us on Beginning the Trek, this is designed to be taken in order from episode one. So uh, we suggest that you start your Trek at the beginning. Otherwise, if you're following along with us today, this is episode 28, Emissary. And the first of our... Deep Space Nine. So I suppose you could start here if you were really adamant about rejecting four other shows, three other shows. You got me confused on this. It's math. Thing. I promised you we weren't going to do math, and here we are. I got you doing math. And anyway, it's addition. This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you have to have enough like fingers to count up to four at this point. So yeah, it's tough. <laughs> so spoiler alert: I didn't like this one all that much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and while we're on spoilers, I might as well do the uh, spoilers so we can remind you what the, not the emissary, what emissary was all about. Right, yeah. Actually, you're going to give your 10-cent synopsis. 20. This was a two-parter. Oh, oh, right, right, right. You get 20. Like, it didn't seem like it, but there's a lot in this. I had to cut out well, a lot. And even, even our conversation was like so much just about the characters because we, you meet a whole crew of new people. Right. We've got this. And then on top of it, we've got a, you know, a lot of crazy situations happening. So, And there's one other thing we should point out. We had a little minor technical glitch. We lost about 10 to 12 minutes at the end of our talking episode of this. It includes some conversations that we had uh, about Dax and uh, then some stuff about Kira at the end. So that's not in there, but we'll be talking plenty about those two characters in coming episodes. So We'll make up for it <laughs> by talking about Kira a lot. <laughs> a lot, yeah, in coming episodes. Anyway, it's time. 20 sentences of Emissary. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Okay. We begin this new series with Commander Benjamin Sisko, who is angry and still grieving his wife who was killed in the battle with the Borg at Wolf 359. He's not only upset at Picard for being a Borg at one point, but also at having to take his son to the back end of Nowheresville and raise him while commanding the space station Deep Space Nine. The station had been built by the Cardassians, but recently trashed and taken over by the Bajorans after the end of their Cardassian occupation on Bajor. Picard's task to Sisko is that he do everything besides violate the Prime Directive to help the Bajorans join the Federation. This seems to be problematic as his number one, Bajoran Major Kira Norris, really doesn't like the idea of another race asserting its power. 
She admits that they do need help, though, and the only way she sees the provisional government getting to Federation joining capacity is through their religious leader, Kaio Paka. It's also a really bad time because shops all over the station are closing up, and Ferengi children are just looting anything that's left over. Sisko gets called down to the planet to meet with Kaiopaka, and she rubs his ear and tells him he is the long-awaited emissary of the Bajorans, and he needs to go gather up some prophets, or glowing orbs, or as we'll call them, wormhole aliens, and bring them to Bajor. We also meet a bunch of others, a shape-shifting security officer named Odo, and Quark, a Ferengi, who Sisko has no problem threatening his thieving nephew to get him to become the new community leader. And we also meet the Federation science officer, Jadzia Dax, a trill Sisko is already acquainted with, as she comes onto the ship with a medical officer, Dr. Julian Bashir. And oh hey, a familiar face, Miles O'Brien, Chief of Operations, and before we can really get started on cleaning up the station, a mysterious wormhole appears. Unlike other wormholes, this one seems to be able to create a stable travel to 70,000 light years away, which means that Deep Space Nine is probably going to become a pretty important stopover. Goldacott, the Cardassian commander who used to be in charge of DS9, shows up and gives some really heartfelt congratulations to Sisko, and also suggests that they share information on the prophet or wormhole aliens, which Sisko denies even knowing about. Kira shuts down Quark's operations so that Odo can become a bag and get into the Cardassian ship to sabotage it so that Sisko and Dax can head into the wormhole to explore it. They manage to get in, but on the way back they run into the prophets, wormhole aliens. But while Dax gets transported back to Deep Space Nine, Sisko continues inside the wormhole to give an extremely long and baseball and bikini-heavy series of rambling hallucinations trying to communicate what time, games, and grief are for a linear being to these non-corporeal, glowing wormhole aliens. I said this was a long and rambling hallucination. Yeah, long enough for Goldicott to also go through the wormhole and other Cardassian ships to show up demanding to know what happened to him. Kira shows some great bluffing skills, but as the wormhole aliens got pissed and took away the wormhole, there's no proof, so she has to launch all the torpedoes DS9 has at them. Inside the wormhole, Sisko comes to terms with his wife's death. Outside the wormhole, the space station is about to get blown up because the bluff can only last for so long, but then the wormhole shows up again, spitting out Sisko, who is somehow towing Goldicott's ship behind him. We take a moment for Sisko to meet up with Picard again and retract all of his anger and get started on making this the least dreary space station in Star Trek. Oh. My. Gosh. That was... So, that's a mouthful lot. Mouthful after mouthful after mouthful. <laughs> that was a lot. Should I have given you 25? 30? Would that have been enough? No. I actually would have preferred to do this all in 10. There's no way, but it would have been nice. Brand new series, brand new cast, brand new everything. Do you want to talk episode? Should we talk episode? I think we should. I'm going to give my rating up front um, because I'm going to have to defend it. I know. I am giving this one out of five white tea pitchers. It's a little picture that Picard uses because I thought it was extra cute. Wow. so oh, bad for me. One out of five. Yeah. One out of like, five. Like worse than Encounter at Farpoint. Wow. And I know that's a first opinion, and I watched it several times, and I just, there's a certain point that we get to, and I want to turn, I desperately want to just turn it off. It's so bad. And instead of, you no, know, I think there's a lot of hysteristalgia around this one, and I'm using that term now not to say it's forgiving of speciesism, 
<laughs> or uh-huh. or racism or sexism that's involved. It's I'm just there's a lot of hysteria around this one for being just poor across the board. Okay, well we're gonna have a conversation about this then. I'm really wow. I don't. I'm not sure where to go with this. The one out of five. Yeah. Or or that you chose something from the Enterprise. Oh. <laughs> I just can't give it up. I can't. <laughs> as as your rating, you didn't even come up with the deep space. That thing flies away halfway through the show. I mean, she comes back. For, sort of. Yeah, for a little tiny chop at the end, but that's funny. You know. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so we got the we got the tea sets. All right, so Picard tea sets. You can buy those online, I think. By the way, if you search, you can... very well may because I really I did. It was very like IKEA looking cool. Well, okay. So, but let's let's not worry too much about tea sets and let's talk about. Um... Are you sure? Because I don't know if I want to engage the other part. No, no, no. Let's. <laughs> let, huh. Andy's got to got to give it up. And, and let me let me start with let me start with something then. Okay. Um, the pilot. What the pilot? Let me start with something before I start with something. Apparently, this is not a pilot. Uh, I called it a pilot when I referenced it um, mm-hmm. in the last episode, and I said, this is what we're watching. It's not actually a pilot. A pilot is a single episode designed to show what a show is capable of doing, and then it gets bought. Um, this whole series was being bought already, so they didn't actually have to create a pilot. Okay, from the viewer's standpoint, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a pilot. My thoughts, too. Okay, I'm just saying. My thoughts, too. So if we call it a pilot, forgive us, because that's just how it, it, that's its function. They have to introduce the characters. They have to introduce the concepts. They have to introduce the whole world. They have to set up the stories and give you a flavor of what, what there is to come. And looking back, if I remember correctly, I was very disappointed for the longest time with the first even couple of seasons of Deep Space Nine, it takes a long time for them to sort of find their feet, find their rhythm. Mm-hmm. Now, they do. And and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But, um, I ha- of course, I had to show you Emissary because... That's how, how it's... Else you get, I mean, right. Goodness gracious, there's, you know, eight regular characters, half a dozen recurring characters mm-hmm. all that you meet situations they do this whole story thing you got the wormhole aliens you've got you've got the the wormhole itself that you have to find you've got the political situation on Bajor all the religious stuff it's big it's it's and it's different it's massive it's and it's very different I, yeah. I will give Star Trek this because I thought the same exact thing going from the original series to next gen is it's purposefully different. Which means you're going to get a lot of people who, when this this last thing was their favorite, and they want more of that, and they're not getting more of that. And so Star Trek purposefully doing that, you're not getting Kirk when you get Picard, and clearly that was meant to be that way. We're not getting Kirk or Picard with uh, Benjamin Sisko. No. He is a whole new thing, and he is on a whole new... Sh- it's not even a ship. And, this, and there were some parts in this... Uh, in watching this, that I was like, I, I get what they're trying to do, and what they're trying to do is brilliant. The way they did it, I don't like at all. But what they're trying to do, I totally get, and it was really good. Let's talk about what you think they were trying to do. I did recognize a lot of the big things, like I just said, with the it's not a ship. So there's a real there's a particular moment. She's like, raise the shields, and he says, what shields? And it put it it just reminds you a hundred percent. Yeah, this isn't a ship. You're not flying away anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing as character reinforcements for all of these people aren't just picking up and leaving. There is no Kirk comes in, saves the day, 
slash destroys everything and runs away. There is no, we get involved and then we hop right back out. This is a thing and it's ongoing mm -hmm. and there is no running away from it at all. And I saw that particularly in Cisco uh, with the relationship with his son, he's establishing this as he may not like it, but this is a place he's going to live and his son is going to live. Yeah. So I saw like continuation of that, of their establishing long term. This is going to be a home. This is going to be a place. Uh, and we're not just going to beam off and beam on and take off and do other things, which lends itself well to, I'm really excited to see some really long story arcs because I like those just personally. Deep Space Nine is mm -hmm. famous for creating one of the, the original long story arcs in all of television. And, and we'll get to that. The, the, uh, the early seasons of Deep Space Nine um, were touted as if Star Trek was wagon train to the stars right then this is the rifleman in space right this is the frontier town with the with the father with his son taking taking the new frontier out there away from much help you know the enterprise is two days away and they're the closest and they just left us so now they'll get closer as this puts bejor on the map which apparently we've established at the end of this two-parter we're getting put on the map because of do okay uh you and i started out this might be a good way to start out do the orb alien wormhole beings have a name um the 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 bajorans would call them the prophets i think uh kyle Paca called them the prophets i think that that uh the mysterious priestly guy on the station uh i think that he said something he blesses him with the prophets um that's what the majorans call them we will call them the wormhole aliens okay we in starfleet will call them that it will annoy okay it will annoy kira at first as she because to her they're gods oh and we're going to talk about that i'm sure oh yes oh yes uh the, the the makers of deep space nine went on a lot of them went on to produce battlestar galactica so if you think we're going to avoid mm. religion in this show you're wrong <laughs> oh no, I I saw little bits of that, but okay, that at least establishes because I'm, I I know in both of our notes we've got, uh, the character list, and so I'm sure we want to go over that because that's a big thing. I'm just seeing all of these people and aliens and new things for all the the first time. Yeah. So I in my notes I said I called them the orbs, because I assumed that was their physical manifestation of themselves. That may be a very wrong thing to say, but if they're called the prophets, I don't want to call them the prophets. <laughs> so we'll call them we'll call them wormhole aliens. You can call them wormhole aliens. They do that okay. pretty much pretty much exclusively. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then we've already talked about Benjamin Cisco. He's the commander. Yep. We get introduced to him right up first, and then Jake, his son, mm -hmm. liked that relationship. Wasn't that nice to actually see a kid on Star Trek and not feel like oh. Goodness gracious. I particularly like the way I think this is going to go in the opposite direction of what most TV fathers end up in, which is TV dads are dumb. And I hate that trope. And I do realize that there are some dads who are dumb, but that doesn't have to be every dad on TV. And that one particularly bothers me. So, and Cisco is not that. And I appreciate that. I like yeah. that he has a good relationship with his son. He, he does, and you'll see it. You'll see it throughout the entire the entire run of the show. Um, there's there's one episode in particular which I wish we could get to on this. I'll definitely be recommending it. Where uh, we will see 
Jake as an old man. Oh, interesting. Dealing with something, dealing with something that was an accident that involves his father from now time. And that's a, you'll get to that. But the character of Jake um, and the character of Nog, um, as long as we're talking Jake, let's talk about Nog too. Oh, okay. So, So I know Nog. Poor little thief. The little thief, right? The little right. Ferengi thief, the the nephew of Quark, mm-hmm. uh, who we'll get to in a minute. But but Nog and Jake will form a friendship. Oh, cool! Good. That will that will start with the disapproval of both Ben Sisko and Quark and and Rom, who is the the father of. Oh, the brother Nog. No, oh. Quark's brother. You don't okay. see much of Rom in this. You see more of, of Nog. But Nog is going to have one of the best story arcs of the entire show run. That little thief mm-hmm. becomes the first Ferengi cadet in Starfleet. Oh, cool. So you got a lot to look forward to as that kid goes to Mrs. O'Brien's school because she opens up a little school on, on Deep Space Nine later because they got to figure out something to do with her. Keiko? It, Keiko, yep. I got it right. Now that we probably won't be talking about it very much. Well, I don't know. How much does she show up? We don't see her at all on this one. You're not going to see her in... I'm not sure we're going to see her in our 52. She's a recurring uh, in the early seasons, and then she goes back to live with her mother. Uh, So I'm... They don't, they don't make much of a huge deal about it, but she is not happy living on the station, so she doesn't. The tumultuous marriage of Miles and Keiko O'Brien. Maybe if they'd shared a meal before they got together. <laughs> Maybe we. I got. I'm. I got nothing for that. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to critique a fake relationship that was made and dismantled in space twenty years ago. So I won't say anything. Right. That basically it doesn't really have much to do with most of the stories. Uh, but Nog uh, and and Jake will form a, a friendship. So that kid right there, mm-hmm. uh, when you start to look at Jake, you'll see the two of them. And and I've got the, the very next episode, we are going to feature Jake and Nog. Oh, cool. That's how you're going to learn about Ferengi cultures through that kid. Awesome. I like it. That's a that's a great way to do it as if you're writing for that. Um, and then if we're talking about moms, uh, Jennifer. Yes. Cisco's deceased wife. Yes. Who seems to be mostly bikini? Well, I mean, yeah. So she, so they put her in a bikini because she's an attractive woman. This is television, and and sure. I notice he's not going shirtless on the beach. No, he wasn't, was he? Uh, seems a little unbalanced. If you're gonna give some skin, let's let's share universally, guys. 1993, you know. Um, oh, I don't mind. I just want it to be. I, I get I don't it. Mind the skin. Yeah. Just if you're gonna put some out there. Go ahead. Put some out there. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, um, we'll have to look for opportunities. Who else? Just keep asking. Let's keep uh, talking. Miles O'Brien. Yep. We talked about him I, some. I have two things on this. I know I thought he was kind of a basic guy yeah. on the Enterprise, and I said that. Yeah. Uh, but here he's like the chief of... Do, am I getting this right? He's the chief of operations. Chief of ops, yes. So does that make him like third in line of command, or what does that mean? No, because security chief would go, do they have, this is something that's good, do they have a command line? They would have to. Well, it, you know, it gets a little fuzzy here because we, the Federation, if we are the Federation, okay, 
But this is a Bajoran station that we, the Federation, are administrating. Mm -hmm. There's civilians. There's a Bajoran contingency. Major Kira is part of that. There's a line of succession, obviously, over there with the Federation. But if Cisco's not there, Major Kira is in charge of the station. Okay. So there's a there's a protocol there of some sort that that they follow that goes outside of Federation, right? Because she's not she's not Starfleet. No, she's not Starfleet. She's a Bajoran. She's in the Bajoran military. That that uniform that she wears was she wearing Starfleet? No, no, she had like a the muted reds. Look her up. Look yeah, her up. I, I thought she was in red. And which... you'll see that she's got a badge on there that's a Bajoran badge. It looked very Starfleety. I could see how I could. Okay, yeah, it's 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 red, but it, it's got like the little collar and the thing, and she's got the uh, on her left shoulder, whatever that is. But uh-huh. apparently not Starfleet. It looks Starfleet esque. Yeah. But maybe that just means it looks Star Trekky. Well, it, yeah, because that's it, all it, I've seen. Un- unless they put like the Cardassians, obviously look very different. The Cardassians uh, are going to wear more military-looking uniforms. Right. Um, but before we go too far, because I know we've now mentioned Kira and Odo, but I was going to go back to Miles, because I know I said Miles O'Brien was totally basic, but he seems to be pretty, like, legit. I really enjoyed it. He, he, he's got his character figured out more than most on this. Yes. And it probably doesn't hurt that he spent all of, like, the next generation. He's been working on it for a while, maybe. Yeah, he's been working on it. Um, and he's And he's more comfortable in the Star Trek, on the... The Star Trek sets, mm-hmm. you know, he's yeah. got the dan- he's got that crazy dance down where whenever they get hit and everybody shimmies in one direction or the other, that's all obviously choreographed, right? I mean, they've all got to bump at the same time, and he knows. You're how telling to do it, me so. that this isn't like nowadays where they would just actually build an entire set that shakes because, you know, how else are you supposed to see that? Well. I'm I'm telling you that they have a whole dance routine that they do. Are you being actually serious right now? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Literally, yeah. No, I, I thought you were joking. Like, 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 like there's a shut. Like, like if the director yells "shutter," they all know to shake their. And I don't know specifically like which commands do which one, but to shake their shoulders in a particular way, like they just got broadsided. And if it's lunge or something like that, they know to lunge forward and and things like that. That those are all like. Like huh. in the auditions for Star Trek, they teach you that and you have to believably do it on camera to get a job on one of these ships if 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 you're going to be involved in combat. I want to ask somebody who's working on disco that if they're still doing that. So we talked about Geek and Sundry way long ago, yeah. right? Will Wheaton's uh, tabletop. He had Jerry Ryan, who plays Seven of Nine in Voyager. You haven't met her yet, but he had her on. And the two of them did this really weird side-by-side dance where one of them would say a command and they would both do it. And then another <laughs> one would say a awesome. command and they would both do it. And it was just so much fun. Yeah, so so Geek and Sundry. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, really. That's good stuff. I don't know if this should be a talking track, but... but Probably. The, the, with a pilot like this, I think almost anything is on the table. Yeah, it's all learning. We got characters, yeah. we got situations. It's this thing is so huge. Well, I was I was going in order. So yes. Cisco O'Brien. O'Brien. Or anything Jake. else about O'Brien? <laughs> Shout out to Keiko, even though she wasn't there. Shout out to Keiko. 
And Molly, his daughter, Molly is their daughter, which they had on the Enterprise. Worf delivered their daughter in an episode called Disaster. <laughs> I'm sorry. Connecting having babies with disaster. Let's yeah, just that's laugh like... about that. <laughs> Kira shows up. We talked about her. She's going to be his number one, even though she's not in Starfleet, essentially. They call her Major, so that's a Bajoran title. She is a Major in the Bajoran military force, whatever. Wow. Oh, I should know this. I should know, like, what branch of the service she's actually in, and I cannot think of it. it's an interim government. They haven't quite figured it out, so if we don't know, that's fine. Right. They call her Major. We'll go with Major. Who knows? I have a feeling, like, Quark is right. That's not going to stick around long, and then weird stuff's going to happen, and then... I just, yeah, we all know that's not going to stay the same. Well, there's there's seven seasons of stories to tell. Uh, and then Odo shows up, who I didn't realize he was a security chief until like way later, which I, maybe I should have figured out. But also, they don't make, I mean, they make a point of it because he does shapeshift, but they don't say, dude, this guy's a shapeshifter. No, he just He's does got it. like some Terminator shit going on. Yeah. So I, I looked this up. Terminator 2 came out in 1991, two years mm-hmm. before this. So this is where that technology went. For Cha- sure. Changed to the to the TV screen. So so we didn't get the highest budget and things like that. But not bad for 1993 to see, you know. Oh, the, it didn't bug me at all. I got it. The, the mace that that guy that was with Nog threw, for, which was like the dumbest plan you could think of, throw your only weapon at the shapeshifter. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> it's yeah. very cool. It's, I, yeah. they, Odo is, his story arc, it will be huge as he tries to figure out where he comes from and who he is, and then he'll get some answers and he may not like some of his answers. And, and will we meet more of these shapeshifters? I really liked that they teased that. I mean, it was a little aggressively teasing. Again, I liked what they were trying to do. I just don't really like how they actually ended up doing it. Uh, but I like that they didn't just give more answers because I, I thought they did that so much with Cisco in this episode of like, oh, all of a sudden transformation, yay. And Odo's still this mystery of he mentions this thing. I want to know about this and this might help that. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't go anywhere from that except for, well, now so do I. I want to know about that. Mm-hmm. Jessica wants to know. Hey. What happens with Odo? Yeah. Well, you should so start watching a... Deep Space Nine. You'll find out. I'm on my way. Okay. And then we meet Quark, yes. the gambling shop manager. Community who I'm leader. sure turns into other roles because he looks like he's going to be pretty closely tied with all of the command staff. Quark is, Quark is Odo's nemesis. Odo is Quark's nemesis. Just because... Uh, well, Quark is, Odo is the constable. He's the sheriff in town. Oh, okay. That dynamic. Yeah. And, and. and, I forgot about legal stuff. Oh. (laughs) Quark crosses that line or, or blurs that shady line between right and less right often. (laughs) He's rogue. He's a rogue. He is definitely so is he a rogue. All like justify the ends justify the means kind of thing. Oftentimes, yes. Okay. Oftentimes, yes. And you'll learn more about him and Ferengi culture in 
coming episodes as well. I've got I've got a fantastic um, Grand Nagus episode coming where we will meet the leader of the Ferengi people, played so beautifully by Wallace Shawn. <gasps> I love him. Oh, if we're talking about people who have been on like. Uh, sci-fi fantasy forever the guy who plays quark yes armin shimmerman the second i I was just like i know that that speech pattern i know like it, i didn't quite recognize it but i was like i know this looked him up he's the he's pr- the principal on buffy yes he gets eaten by the snake yes he's the was, principal he, snyder anyway he was on buffy also another i love seeing his he face he's also he's the scary. leader of the he was the leader of the Knox. Yes. He's, oh, he's one of those guys that shows up. Well, Star Trek does that. All of their characters, all of the people on Star Trek just show up everywhere. And you're like, that's that guy and that guy and that lady who also did that. Yeah. I- I'm guessing that, you know, there's there's a certain genre love is when you see someone like that, you kind of connect to them. And now, now you look for it, right? Like, don't you want to know what Nathan Fillion is doing next? Do you know what Nathan Fillion is doing next? Oh, look at you. you I, I get you all curious about it. No, I don't know what he's oh, doing next. Oh, I'm like, but you want to know, Come on, right? man. Of course I want to. <laughs> and if Armin Shermerman, the man who plays Quark, yes. shows up in something else, I might take note of it and might go watch it because... He's great. He really is. And he's he so, really is. That character is so well-developed, I think, right from the start when he's sitting there yeah. talking to Cisco and that that, yep. that fantastic blackmail scene where bla- where Cisco blackmails him and says, we need a community leader and it's going to be you, Quark. I love that moment. Really? I dislike a lot about Cisco in this episode and that was one of the particular moments. Uh, Tell me why. He really felt the need to put this little Ferengi kid in jail just to blackmail a guy to being somebody who happily wants to be on this station. That's his goal. It just, it felt like a, he's lucky Quark was into it, even though Quark says he's not into it, because what happens is he's into it. If you had just blackmailed me to be a community leader because you put my niece in jail, mm-hmm. You can bet your butt I wouldn't be happy about this. So I think there were a lot of these moments in this particular episode, and they might get more thoughtful about it coming. They will. Going mm-hmm. on. I'm sure they will. But there were a lot of the Like, he straight out lies to the Cardassian. Yes, he does. He's like, oh, we're... And he's bad at it. Like, if you're going to lie, at least be good at it. Kira's bluff was at least better than that. Like, she was convincing when she said, oh, we've got firepower. I mean, not convincing enough to stop it. But nobody believed Cisco when he said, oh, I've never heard of that before. The orbs. When when, yeah. when, when Goldicott said, I understand you have the orbs. And he said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Yes. Yeah. He lied and he didn't do, he didn't make a particularly strong showing in his lie almost like he didn't care whether Galdicott believed him or not yeah and that's how i looked at it was i don't give a damn whether you believe me i'm not gonna admit that now i know cisco and i know who he becomes and i and i'm projecting fair enough this is something this is something i've learned about watching this episode the first time i watched it getting ready for this trek i said you know this wasn't as bad as i remember it being the first time through (laughs) <laughs> and by the time I've okay. watched it four or five times now getting ready for this recording, mm-hmm. I can totally see where they're going with all this. Really? And and, yes. And, and okay. so, so now here's the thing. <laughs> I get that the episode itself hasn't changed. So I must have. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yes. And I know 
yeah, Cisco is not necessarily going to be straight. There is an episode, one of my favorite, that I cannot show you because it's too deep in to Mm -hmm. the main storyline. And you're insane about spoilers. He deals with lies that he would, that, that would make any Starfleet officer cringe. And he does it in a very powerful way. And... He doesn't necessarily come to the same conclusion that Picard would come to. This is not your daddy's commander. No, clearly. This is is not Kirk. This is not This has got a level of grit. Just overall, too, it's got a level of just dirty, dark grit, realistic. We bring money into it, I'm assuming, because we're not on a ship. We're on a station, and we've got gambling. Yeah. You've never had any kind of money before. I haven't even seen how other aliens use it except to know that the Ferengi are like, we'll buy that from you. And the Federation's always like, well, that's dumb. We don't, we're not doing that. And I don't know why, because if you can just go essentially 3D print money from a replicator, what good is gambling at all? You better make the games really, really fun because that's like going to Vegas and being like, money doesn't matter. Well, well, does that mean that like all of the replicators then aren't? able to they're only able to replicate what food because if you can replicate anything also why not replicate a freaking bed for the poor kid (laughs) they had to get a they had to get a bunk off the enterprise oh my god why didn't the enterprise just make them one then yeah they should they should give them at least one replicator i mean what if they need tools to to fix their replicator and they don't have the tools they can't even (laughs) replicate the tools necessary to fix the other replicators so Uh, so that one gets in a loop, clearly. Okay, yeah. So that one, yeah. That... But okay, so we've got Quark, and I'm, I'm, I, I do. I expect kind of good things from that. It looks like it's going to go somewhere good. And the next person we're introduced to, or I was introduced to, is Kai Opaka. Kai Opaka, spiritual leader of Bajor. She seems very enthusiastic about her spiritualism. She is. Also, if I was Cisco, I'd be like, get your hands off of my ear. What do you do? Like, at least induct me into your uh, spiritual society before you go around touching my paw. She's got a level of familiarity going around touching people's ears that I'm just like, what if Cisco was Ferengi? We apparently have forgotten that they wear their sensitive areas around their ears. That's true. I, I've never seen one of them check out the paw of a Ferengi. That would be bad. That would be that would be borderline, <laughs> or it would be awesome. It would be borderline <laughs> pornographic. Then we have to deal with a whole weird level of sexual assault. <laughs> if if the Pope walked up to you and okay. reached his hand out to touch your ear, would you flinch away? Yes. From the Pope. Yes. In a. You don't think that's creepy? I well, I don't know. Is he going to ask first? I mean, let's just establish a mode of consent here. Okay. Everybody's got their level of comfort. There are people who are totally comfortable just like being, you know, uh, half an inch from somebody else's face. That that's not me. We know that Cisco's uh he's a touch person. He's a touchy feely person because he keeps hugging his son. So again, his son. He doesn't go up and like start hugging Odo. No. Although Odo does greet him with "Who the hell are you?" which I thought was fantastic. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's great. This is not the Enterprise. This mm-hmm. is everything is broken. Things are broken. Things are things are, you know. There's yeah. theft. There's there's you know people are leaving. This place is a freaking mess. 
when they first get there. And it is pretty much a mess, even though they've got, you know, quarks up and running by the end. It's pretty much a mess through the whole damn thing. It is. They're more excited about it being a mess at the very, very end. So at least you got to see that energy of like, yeah, we're going to fix this place up and turn her around. Well, you started to see the activity. There was that vibe. You know, Quark's, Quark's yeah. bar. And, you know, now we've we've at least pushed the Cardassians away a little bit. And there's some, you know, we got a wormhole. Uh, also, the next characters we were introduced to that we will be calling the wormhole aliens. <laughs> okay, the wormhole aliens. Slash yes. prophets. The, the beings who don't understand time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a little weird, right? Oh, this was the most disappointing part of it. I think for me was when Cisco is explaining linear time to an alien who has no concept of linear time and clearly mm-hmm. doesn't think well of corporeal beings who experience linear time, even though in saying that they experience linear time and being corporeal beings would, if you're going to have disgust of something, then at least like they understand that they have a disgust of something for some reason. Yeah. They're, I don't know how well thought out these beings are. They essentially express themselves through hallucinations. Yes. Which seems like a pretty, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. If we're hurting them by going into the wormhole, they clearly have the ability to shut down this wormhole that I'm kind of afraid to call a wormhole because even though it behaves like a wormhole in putting things in different places uh, in light yeah. years, I guess, or bending time, they clearly have the ability to shut it down and turn it off or turn it back on or make it whatever kind of experience as you're going through it, whatever people yeah, the- want it to be. Or maybe they don't have any control of that. Maybe the manifestations of the hallucinations are whatever alien or person is put into that mm-hmm. quote fingers wormhole there's so much there that i would have rather explored than the uh let's show them baseball so that we can explain how things work <laughs> not a uh, not a fan of the sports metaphor and in, in your science fiction are you baseball okay got it yeah there was okay no i'm gonna put it this way if you're going to contemplate your navel can we not do it through baseball well what, well what was nice what i liked about the okay so i i am a sports fan so yes. maybe i'm biased here but what i liked about this particular use of baseball was they didn't really get into the game itself they just used it to show how we don't know what's going to happen in any event that's happening until after it's happened and once it's happened it's over for us it's it's lost well you think he kept calling it it's lost um so just using it as an example i was i was okay with because they didn't start like talking about i mean he said okay i throw the ball he has to hit the and ball and then he literally says never mind this doesn't matter the rules don't matter right. he says the rules don't matter what does matter is the concept of in order to have the game mean something, we have to experience it one moment at a time without knowing what's going to happen at the end. He could have used anything. He right. could have used, you know, falling into a pool. He could have used, I don't know. Well, they eventually end up using his wife's death. So really, they could have skipped almost everything that led up to those moments and just gotten to the point and then I wouldn't have had to sit there through like 14 different fantasies while he tried to explain linear time to, I get that he's, he, the character is talking to 
a wormhole alien, but the truth is the television show is talking to us and we get it. So I really like desperately wanted an editor to be like, can we not with this right here? <laughs> like, can we go to the part where we start caring about the characters and the story? Uh, so I think that was just a huge, I, I get it. I got what they were trying to do. It's just the way they did it. I didn't like if I remember correctly, what you are basically saying was a lot what a lot of people were saying right after Deep Space Nine came out and in some of those early episodes. I get what they were right. trying to do. They just didn't do it very they just well. Didn't right. Quite do it. Yeah, they just didn't quite do it. And and now that I now that I'm so familiar with the show and where it all goes, I can see I can see that they got what they were trying to do too and that they get there in a lot of ways. Not all of them. But but as far as what are the wormhole aliens? Who are they? What are they? There's still things I question and don't know after all of the show. The point where Cisco is in there playing baseball with aliens who don't understand linear time and Gul Dukat flies his ship into it and the aliens get essentially super pissed off and they're like every time no, no no every time you do this it hurts us is what i got from that right so they shut down the wormhole right yeah stop walking through our yard because you hurt us or we're gonna lock the gates they will let okay that tells me that these beings are physically in the orbs that's how i took that which means that maybe if we want some goodwill, we should return the orb that we're poking and prodding at on this station back into the wormhole and say, hey, this is a being. I mean, the big quest from Kaiopaka was to get all nine of them that had been back onto the oh, planet. Yes. Which yes. I'm assuming doesn't happen at this point, because if you're saying that this is a being that's alive and can communicate through hallucinations and tell you, cut it out you're going to cut it out. That's Federation. <laughs> like, I would, I would, I would hope so. I would hope we, we aren't that the Cardassians don't seem to have a problem doing that. No. Well, you know, they're Cardassians. Right. They... But the Federation, if a being says, Hey, stop that. We're going to respect that. Yes. I did not, I did not real. if they do return it, I didn't realize it because I, from what I had understood, these orbs are getting collected. Like he's going to go collect them and take them back down to the planet so that the, uh, the Bajorans can have their spiritual epiphany or something. Yeah. I'm I, without, without getting too much into it because it's what you are, you are keying in on one of the all time big mysteries, much of which doesn't get. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't go anywhere, but actually what I, it wasn't necessarily that I want to know what happened to Gul Dukat when he entered. Because all we see is him getting towed out. But what's his experience? Like, what would his hallucinations talking to those beings be? That would be fascinating as a it story. It would be completely fascinating to have him talk with some of those things, wouldn't it? Or maybe other things similar to that, too. Hmm, maybe. Oh, yay. So yay. That, I didn't think that that would get... Okay, and then we're going to mention Goldicott. Uh Gold Jazad shows up in this one too. Do we see? I know we see Goldicott a lot. I've heard yeah, this from yeah. you and others. You'll see Goldicott. Okay. <laughs> uh, becomes a, a really big, which is great because he seems like a great bad guy, to yeah. be honest. Now, did you, re you recognize Goldicott? You recognized him as Gold I missed his little, uh, the what do you call those? 
the, the little uh, the, the little uh, Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu. The little bitty, the bitty. Fu Manchu. Yeah. But I still like his very kind of snake-looking neck. Yeah. Thing I thought great, cool, very cool mm-hmm. job on all the makeup. Uh, and then the last two that I'm pretty sure is the doctor, Doctor Julian Bashir. Yes. Who seems cute and naive and unintentionally offensive, and Dax who it sounds like we have a history with, or at least Cisco does. Yeah. So, so, um, Dr. Julian Bashir, young and dumb and full of compassion for the frontier <laughs> folks. How long did that take to come up with? Took a little while. Um, curious, a little naive, um, says the wrong thing oftentimes didn't get to see much of his doctoring skills uh in this episode but he uh he was second in his class um at the academy so in the starfleet medical so i can tell you that he missed uh one question on the final he mistook a post-ganglial nerve for a hyper-something nerve. I don't remember the whole story of it, but there's a whole episode about that. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, I about you were just why. making stuff up. Nope, nope, I nope. I gotta be nope. careful. Every time I think you're making stuff up just to be funny, you're like, no, somebody actually made this into a real thing. I don't need to. I don't need to make this stuff up. They made this stuff up 25 years ago. Wow. Star Trek does love some Star Trek. DS9 as a character... Kind of has way more character than yeah. the Enterprise Zez. <laughs> yeah, it's been around a while. Because it's got so much more history. If it was a fly on the wall, if there was a fly on its wall, it would have seen a lot more stuff. I don't know why I used the fly analogy. That didn't make any sense at all. It, it speaks to the fact that the, the station has has all this character and all this history and it's dirty and it's dark and that's... That's yeah. so different from the ships that we've seen that are shiny, and each one gets newer and shinier and bigger and fancier. Things don't work, and and you gotta you gotta kick the console to make the the thing work. Oh. And, yeah, he when did. When I was an engineer, I used to know how to hit the machine to make it work too. So you know, he's got the he's got the magic touch. And also the Majel Barrett's voice as the, the computer. I recognize it now. I don't, yeah, I didn't, I don't know, I'm, I know I, that I've heard it, and I know that I've recognized it before, but this one where this is like her, and now I'm associating it with her, and I think that that's fantastic. It's a little bit of, no, so it's a Trek thing. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's been the computer, she's the computer through the entire next generation. She's the computer in this, even though it's a Cardassian space station. Maybe she's just really beloved by... As a, as a computer voice. Yeah. She's beloved universe-wide. Well, so she was she was number one in the cage. She was Nurse Chapel in the original series. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, like you can, on ways, you can get the different voices. Maybe Nurse Chapel is just a downloadable voice for computer use. Maybe that's what she went on to do, like, she did voiceover work for computers. Ooh, maybe it's kind of like when you find out uh, your favorite pop star is also really, really loved in like Japan. <laughs> okay, sure. No, <laughs> you just find out a little something extra about them that you know, and then you start to notice it, right? Yeah. Well, and now, now if the computer speaks at me and it's not in Major Verrett's voice, I'm going to be upset. You can't not hear it. <laughs> it's a thing now. It's a thing. Yes, that's so much fun. (laughs) You know what I love? I love that you are getting this for your first time because we all got that. Decades ago. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Many of us years ago. I was yeah. Like, oh, cool. That you know, that was like, oh, that's honoring, you know, to mm-hmm. her. Um, that they would have her do all that, and and of course she was great. And she was, I mean, she did a lot of the voices in the animated series too. So yeah. And now when I hear it, I know her. It's just that's just it's silly, but it's fun. You can't not hear it. Yeah. Which is awesome. I like hearing it. Yeah. Yes. I need to come clean about how I feel about that we're starting Deep Space Nine. This feels very serious. Are you about to tell me that Deep Space Nine actually sucks? No, I'm not about to tell you that at all. <laughs> okay. I, I would never lie to you, Jessica. I would never lie to you. But I am nervous about starting this part of our journey. Um, I am the, I'm supposed to be the expert. I'm supposed to be the guy that knows all of it. And when I was when, when I was growing up, I had 79 episodes of the original series and then 22 episodes of the animated series to watch over and over and over again for 20 years. And I got to know them all really well. And sure. then you add in Next Generation and I had about five years of Next Generation to watch before there was anything else to add to it. And I could handle that amount of episodes in my brain, Mm -hmm. you know, trivia wise and characters and all that. And then we added in the course of just a couple of years, another 170 some episodes from deep space nine. We got Voyager right on its heels. That's going to be another 170 some episodes suddenly, you know, and then even just shortly after that enterprise and it's, four seasons of of stories suddenly i've got 700 episodes to try and remember and be the expert in and i'm scared so you're human yes and if i ask you something you might have to look it up (laughs) i think we're gonna be okay with that (laughs) i think we can i think we can sufficiently say that the mass knowledge and comments and uh available on the internet and that is searchable will somehow suffice and i will still be here and who like maybe you get to experience more first timiness too because for balok it's been really really long but for i don't even know what characters coming up maybe it hasn't been that long and for other listeners too because it literally hasn't been that long like year wise you might be right cuz i've watched probably four or five early first season episodes cuz i wanted to do some recommendations and mm-hmm. i needed to refamiliarize myself with a lot of them because you know by the time you get to this much how do you rewatch all this stuff enough to have that knowledge so um you'll have to bear with me a little bit too when you ask me those those questions like like is gall just what was his name? Gold Giselle. Jazad. Gold is Gold Jazad coming back? And I, I don't know. You're the expert. This is what I'm talking Gold about. Jizad. This is what I mean. I'm not the expert anymore. Uh, no, I, we'll see. I had to look it up. Once they go. By the way, he comes back two more times. He's totally forgettable in my mind. And there you go. So, although I love his look at the end when he has that that final look of I've been defeated by Kira. Well, who wouldn't want to be though? All right. So what you're saying is. Don't worry about it. I'll be okay. It's okay. going to be okay. All right. Yeah. We're not going to, I'm not going to come okay. in and replace and, and you. And so you're not going to hire a bunch of fact checkers. I'm not going to hear, I won't have to listen to, to Anderson Cooper on CNN talk about how many things I got wrong on the last episode. 
If Anderson Cooper did that to me, I'd be like, oh my God, Anderson Cooper. I just don't, I don't want to be yelled at by Anderson Cooper. I couldn't take it. Well, how about just our fans? I'm sure everybody out there knows something. So if I got called out on Twitter for spelling Worf's name wrong, which I did, BT dubs, somehow I think we're going to be okay. You can only get forgiven for that so many times, though. (laughs) Hey, this was the week that I learned how to spell the word emissary. We're all in this together. (laughs) Apparently there are two S's and only one M, which I did not know. So now I do. So learning more about DS9 for all of us. Given my newfound feeling of I'm still the expert... Let me recommend a couple of of episodes okay. for you. Early first season episodes. These so are all going to be like character explorations, I'm sure. All character stuff. So yeah, which which at this point, that's what we want to do. We want to learn who these folks are. Uh, so I took a couple of notes and uh, I'm just going to give you ones that I think are among the better first season episodes that you can watch. And nothing that we're not going to, like, I'm not going to go beyond where we already are. So, first on the list, the sixth episode of the first season, Captive Pursuit, is the first time that we encounter an alien from the Gamma Quadrant. So, this is the first one that comes through the ga- through the wormhole and comes to Deep Space Nine. Okay. His name is Tusk, and he is... He's got a little secret with him. He's, he's, he, he's, he brings with him some trouble that uh, he won't talk about, but uh, it follows. Uh, O'Brien makes uh, a, a nice connection with this guy, and uh, we get to see a lot more about what Cisco's about So uh, as, okay. a, as a commander. Um, the very next episode, uh, season, season one, episode seven, uh, is called Q-less. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So Q joins the fray for his only Deep Space Nine appearance. You told yes. me about this. You told me because this is when you when you mentioned that Q's not going to deal, or Picard, Cisco is not Picard, and doesn't he hit, he hit like punched in the face or something, slapped he gets, her. He, Cisco punches him right in the nose. So <laughs> if that's not worth a watch to watch, to watch Q get punched right in the nose, I don't know what is. It's not a bad early early. Episode. DS9 episode, uh, and it is the only time that we'll see Q in the series, in this series. Okay. So we'll pick him up again when we get to uh, Voyager. And then episode eight was Dax, which we talked about. Yes, we already talked about Dax, where where you'll get a lot more into her character. And then um, Battle Lines, episode 10 of the first season, uh, Kyle Paca, the spiritual leader of Bajor, leaves Bajor for her first time ever and joins a mission to the Gamma Quadrant. She feels compelled to go to the Gamma Quadrant. When they get there, they discover a... Uh, two warring factions that have been at war for um, decades and they live on a planet where they can't be killed. Injuries heal. So this war basically rages on. Kyle Pacas obviously thinks that she's there to try and create peace between them. So, Well, that's it's, a better reaction. A... This reminds me of uh, what was the one in the original series where they go and it's the machines are fighting each other and then they go into the chambers and they die. A taste of Armageddon. Right. Uh, yes. And yeah. Kirk's solution is just like, well, I'm going to make war ugly and dirty (laughs) and then leaves. Yeah. Yeah. These guys have uh, about as ugly and dirty a war as you could possibly have. Um, So there's some episodes, uh, uh, early Deep Space Nine. Good stuff. For people, 
that that are among the better, they are the ones that will float to the top, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. In my opinion, of the first season. They it, it takes a little while for DS9 to really get going. As with all Star Trek. <laughs> as as it seems with most Star Trek. The original series didn't, but but yeah. Uh, and we're going to run into the same thing with Voyager, FYI. It takes a little while for Voyager to ramp up. Okay. Trek fans are so forgiving. If if you made a franchise that I absolutely loved, and then you made me sit through this and told me I would be beyond... Ang- I don't know if I would stick with it. And yet, Star Trek fans are just like, you gotta give it more time. They're d- determined to love it. It's really sweet. <laughs> it, gets, it, it always seems to get better. Or usually seems to get better. Which is really a testament to the people later on uh, of the writing and stuff that they can make you think that something before was better because of what came later. Because mm-hmm. you, you said, you're like, oh, I get what they were doing now that I've seen this. And my reaction to that is that's somebody who picked on something that was already there and made it make sense or yeah. made it work emotionally. So I look forward to that. I'm just saying. Maybe the first watch is really the truest. <laughs> to get that Trek hysteristalgia, mm-hmm. you got to go through it first and get hysteristalgic about it, right? Hysteristalgic? Yeah. I have to get hysteristalgic about it in order for me to suddenly see how good this show was all along, mm. even if it wasn't. <laughs> Well, kudos. And you know what? Kudos for trying something different every single time. That's actually really amazing that they're not just remaking stuff. I know that people get upset even now, uh, Discovery and whatever else is going to come out. They're going to get upset that it's not it's not what it was before. But that's oh, yeah. the brilliance of it. This is so very clearly intentionally not what it was before. That's great. Good. That means we can have the same Star Trek with the all of the morals and the the good stories and the awesome sci-fi and the weird stuff that pops up that's all a part of the universe and mm-hmm. tell a completely different way. I like that. As as good. long as Star Trek is in its bones, you know, deep down in the skeleton of the thing. Well, then you get to argue about what that is. And that's boy, is that a conversation for, we're not even going there right now. No. I can't believe we kept recording for this, but seriously, Picard and O'Brien's scene is so awkward, and I really ought to just be grateful that they didn't burst into song. Oh, you thought that they were going to sing a little Irish ditty before he got on the transporter pad? No, I didn't think that, but it was just like, I don't see why Picard would even, like, he's fairly dismissive of his crew and children and puppy dogs, so... I don't know why I threw in the puppy dogs, but like, it seems like there's you not a whole lot of- You didn't see the episode with the puppy dogs. There were puppy dogs and he was dismissive of them. Uh, there's not a whole lot of connection is all I'm saying between him and Picard. And so like forcing that scene, super awkward. Well, what was, I, I loved the idea that they wanted to do a goodbye, but at no time did I ever see a personal connection between Picard and O'Brien in all of the episodes so that when they actually got together, all they had to talk about was, uh, room. This is your favorite transporter room, right? <laughs> they could have sung a song about the transporter room. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, that's all you know about this guy. Don't you even remember that they got married? Can't you be like, I hope you and the missus have a good, or, you hope know, your baby's not colicky. 
be a little personal with the guy. Or just don't do that scene. There were so many scenes in this episode that needed to not be in existence. I did, however, love him taking one last look around the Enterprise Bridge. When, before he goes mm-hmm. to leave. Yeah. That was kind of cool. That was kind of Did cool. you feel the passing of the torch between Cisco and Picard? I know what they were trying to do. See, and they just didn't do it well. I get what they were trying to do. Oh, I hate to say it like that. So I hate to say it like that. But it wasn't, it just didn't quite hit the mark. I didn't get the emotional connection behind that passing the torch moment, that mm-hmm. handshake between Picard and Cisco, um, where, where he's asked to stay and all that. No, I didn't get Me that. Me too. I, it, and I wanted to. I know what they were trying to do. I get, what, I get why this episode missed for you. In the future, they will execute these much better. All right. I believe you. That's all I wanted to say, actually. <laughs> yeah. I know what they were trying to do. Shall we talk next week? We shall. What shall I be watching? Well, we will be um, watching another first season episode, but certainly one of my favorite first season episodes. In fact, uh, we're going to be watching this because I love the B plot of this episode so much. Okay. Uh, it's not even the main point. Just no. Well, it, it's got a great A plot. Uh, the A plot. The, the, let me let me let me give you the spoiler first. Okay. Well, how do I want to introduce this? Um, let me give you the spoiler. Jake and Nog, Nog being the Ferengi kid that was nothing more than the little thief who's now in the in the brig. Okay. Uh, Jake and Nog become friends, and it's a great friendship where they really do start to learn from each other. The culture clash turns into a cultural exchange, cool. and it's fun to watch them develop this. There was a school, Keiko O'Brien opened a school. Nog was forced to go to the school by his father so that he could learn about Federation ways. Very smart, actually. Um, and they developed this friendship. And the B plot is all about Jake and Nog. Okay. So um, we're going to learn a little bit about how the Ferengis think through them. The A plot is a Kira Nerys story, a major Kira story. Okay. So um, those are the only spoilers I need to give you. The name of the episode, this is the 14th episode of the first season of Deep Space Nine, and it's called Progress. 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 Okay. Okay? So that's all the... All the stuff, All the stuff I need, and and a little bit more, actually. Give me what you got. Okay. Give me your prediction. I'm trying to think. Obviously, this isn't a ship thing, so I can't do kind of the go-to of not just me but and the writers go to, like, we arrive on a planet, and then this thing, alien thing happens, and then whatever. We will actually be visiting, we will actually be visiting one of Bajor's moons in this episode. That's not the I thing. Know, oh, in this episode. In this episode. We will. Yeah, in this episode, okay. we're going to be visiting one of Bajor's moons. I don't think that's going to change my prediction. I think what's going to happen is that Kira is going to have to uh, experience progress within herself because she comes off as a bit harsh and mm, gruff. Yeah, I think I think everybody knows kind of yeah, rough, a bit, definitely rough around the edges. And I think she's going to be confronted um, with the progress of the station, maybe. So she's going to have a series of encounters that are having her reflect back on how she's treating people and what she's doing there. Uh, 
I think that's going to be a thing. And maybe that coincides with, because you already said the B-plot of Nog and Jake, uh, if she discovers them somewhere and treats them in a certain way and then has to okay, deal with that. Okay, got it. Yeah, that's my prediction. Kira gets a lesson in diplomacy, maybe, is you, the big you thing. You hit the target. I'm not, you didn't hit the bullseye, but but that's a... Okay. Well, well you it, gave me a lot to work with. We've got so, so much character stuff good. to develop here, so we're certainly going to learn more about uh, about these three in particular, but others through them. You know, we'll learn more about... There you go. Okay, when will you be watching When am, Oh. and tweeting? I will be watching this on April 15th. I will be tweeting progress at 7 p.m. at Begin the Trek. Follow along there if you like Twitter. If not, you can wait until the episode's released and that shows up in the sidebar at beginningthetrek.com. It's also available on our Facebook page uh, at Beginning the Trek. There you go. So everybody gets to enjoy that with me. Yay! And we'll see Perfect. if it really so, does get better. Um, I'm sure it does. It can't get worse than one. It gets better. <laughs> I, I sit confident... Last chance. You want to keep that one one Oh, I'm keeping that one one When I watch I gotcha. it, I want to turn it off. So listen, th- it was not a well received, a well received beginning mm-hmm. to Deep Space Nine. It took a little while for them to really get interesting, and we need to learn who these folks are, and that's part of the track. So uh, progress, enjoy. Okay, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Cisco's deceased wife, who seems to be mostly bikini. Well, it fits her. <laughs> when she's wearing it. I just spit all over my, my screen. <laughs> oh, God. Clean yourself up, man. <laughs>